Yes, the MLB season is right around the corner. Yes, March Madness has officially begun, and your brackets have already been busted, and you're not going to get that easy million dollars. But don't let that distract you from the fact that the NHL trade deadline is right around the corner, and Devils have been linked to a couple of trade candidates. So joining me on today's show is credentialed Devils writer for the Hockey Riders, Christy Flannery, former colleague of mine. She's going to provide her insights as to how the season has been going so far for the Devils, and she's also going to discuss some potential trade options for a few players on our roster. It's going to be a jam-packed show. Buckle up. Your Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. And when this episode goes live, I know I'll be a day late, but at the time it's recording, it is St. Patrick's Day, and, you know, I had to rep my green, so I'm wearing my Nico Heizer reverse retro jersey, one of my favorite uniforms that the New Jersey Devils have ever put out. That's my controversial take for today, but uh, you might hear a lot more later on in the episode because for today, I am going to be talking to Christy Flannery. She is a former colleague of mine at the Hockey Writers. She's a credentialed writer for the New Jersey Devils, and we're basically going to be talking about trade discussions, trade rumors, and what the future looks like for the New Jersey Devils, and we'll also get her overall opinions on how the season has led up so far for the Devils, and uh, she's a great person to talk to, like I said, former colleague of mine, so hopefully you guys enjoy the episode, and I hope you guys had a safe St. Patty's Day. I'm sorry, I can't really talk right now, but uh, I hope you get lucky, because Lord knows I'm not the most luckiest guy out there, so uh, once again, for anyone who celebrates St. Patrick's Day. Hopefully you had a great holiday. Also, March Madness officially begun. My bracket's already busted. So uh, thanks a lot, Kentucky. But at the same time, you know, uh, March starts to rev up a lot of things. So we're revving up on the trade discussions in the NHL. We're revving up on the MLB season. It's right around the corner. We're revving up uh, my semester at college. And basically, we're revving up everything right now. So uh, the month of March is really the stretch drive for a lot of sports. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. But before we bring in Christy, it is time for the first and only live read this morning. And it comes from our friends at Bill bar so this is the time of year that i pretty much have given up on all my new year's resolutions but not this year i'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to built bar it almost feels like it's not really a, a resolution because i actually enjoy eating them if you uh, haven't tried the puffs well you're missing out uh they are the best tasting protein bar and puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow they're fluffy they're marshmallowy they're not just a protein bar they're a treat and they're covered in 100 real chocolate puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy cinnamon churro Coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. These are going to be your new favorite flavors. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs included, 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bar with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Uh, they have so many delicious flavors from mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are delicious, and uh, new flavors are coming out all the time. If you think a flavor might be good, they'll make it, and it'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. So I don't know how Built Bar does it, but they release a lot of uh, flavors, and uh, all the flavors taste delicious. So the offer is go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. 
Okay, let's talk to former colleague of mine, Christy Flannery from the Hockey Writers, and let's have this open New Jersey Devil hockey discussion. And before we talk to Christy, I actually want to make an apology to you guys. A couple episodes ago, I said that Jonas Siegenthaler was on the COVID protocol list. That was incorrect on my part. That's that's uh, my bad. I'll take the fall for it. I said he, once again, was on the COVID protocol. That was not true. He had an illness, but it was non-COVID related. I read the headline wrong, so I apologize once again, I posted that episode a couple days ago. Like I said, if I make a mistake on the show, I take ownership for it. Okay, so enough reminiscing in the past. Let's talk to Christy of the Hockey Writers. Take it away. And now joining me to talk Devils Hockey and also the pending trade deadline, it is my former colleague at the Hockey Writers, Christy Flannery. Christy, how are you doing on this fine afternoon? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? Uh, can't complain. I mean, but despite the fact that the Devils played back-to-back -back games and they suffered back-to-back six-three -back, uh, yeah. losses, and they got another challenge uh, on uh, Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers, so you know, other than that, doing pretty well. They're they're kind of doing a far cry from what they were doing a few weeks ago. So, uh, Christy, you work for the Hockey Writers. How long have you been working there? What's your specialty in terms of covering Devils hockey? Oh, okay. So I've been with the Hockey Writers since last March. So it's actually like my year anniversary. Um, but I didn't start, I started with the Predators because there was no openings for the Devils team. And then I um, merged over to the Devils in maybe September, right before the season started. And I got my credentials. So I'm a credentialed writer for this season. And this, uh, in January, I believe it was, I became a member, a member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. So awesome. Just, yeah. So just doing you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I like to, I like to tell stories. So I'm not really an analytical writer, um, but I do like telling stories and bringing my readers along for a journey and a ride. <laughs> I think that's my specialty too. Cause you know, I, yeah. I talk a lot of narratives. I talk a lot of like maybe how players are feeling in this sort of uh, aspect. Yeah. Sometimes I give predictions and I guess that kind of falls underneath the, um, the, the, the story category, just in terms yeah. of like, here's what I would do differently if I was, um, you know, uh, if I was coach for the devils, but um, we'll, we'll talk about that momentarily, but what have your expectations uh, have been so far for, for New Jersey? Like what were they, coming into the season have they met your expectations have they fallen underneath the um the line like what what, what are your thoughts uh, so far this season to be honest i know when the devil signed dougie hamilton it was a really big deal and everyone thought this was magically going to be a playoff team because i think you know even dating back to suban where they bring in these big name defensemen they think that it's the savior for new jersey and i did not feel that way so they might be underperforming a little bit just based on the goaltending situation, which isn't really anybody's fault. It just, you know, it is what it is. But other than that, I did not really think this was going to be a playoff team yet. So I'm not overly surprised with where they are, given the situation and the circumstances that are surrounding the team. You know, I kind of said they would be sort of like a dark horse team, like all mm -hmm. would have to go right for them. But they had dealt with a yeah. lot of COVID issues. Amanda Stein revealed that the only player to have played in all uh, awesome. one game so far is Dawson Mercer. Like, Jonas Siegenthaler uh, recently, uh, what, did he have to go on to COVID protocol or? It was non-COVID related illness. No. Oh, non-COVID related illness. Mm -hmm. Okay, good, good. So, uh, yeah, I was I was wondering, like, why why is he playing in back-to-back -back games? But still, <laughs> um, glad that uh, glad that Siegenthaler is back on, back on the rink because he's our most consistent defenseman. But, uh, yeah, going back to what you said, I kind of felt as though they would be sort of like this uh, – this uh, dark horse team, like maybe a team that um, uh, a, a team that you wouldn't pick as your heavy favorites, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's just like maybe a team that has a little something to show, yeah. if that makes any sense. 
I think, no, I think that's a great assessment. I think they definitely had that ability because you have to think before the season started, nobody knew that Jesper Bratt was going to turn into the player that he turned into. He had a really slow start. So we weren't really expecting much of him off out of the gate. Um, and, you know, the defense, we got Hamilton, we got Graves, we got size. And, you know, Smith had a really great rookie season. He finished top 10 in Calder Trophy voting. So I think it was there. It kind of the writing was on the wall for this team to kind of be a dark horse if everything went right, which, as we know, goaltending has really been a storyline. And I think just the inconsistencies throughout the entire lineup between injuries and COVID, you know, the team really did have a lot of, I guess, factors that they really had to overcome that it just, it was, it wasn't a season where everything went right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just, you, you said you're a credential writer. Have you been to the Prudential Center? Have you gone behind the scenes? Have you um, like been able to talk to a few players, maybe head coach Lindy Ruff as to where their headspace is at currently <laughs> during the season? Like, uh, uh, do you have anything you want to share in terms of you being a credentialed writer? Um, it's been a whirlwind. It's been it's been crazy. Um, I, I think my first time at Prudential Center as a credentialed writer was media day. Um, and I've been to majority of the home games. I don't travel with the team. Um, but it's just, you see the game kind of in a different perspective, I guess. You don't watch it as a fan. And it's really intriguing to kind of see the moving parts. And, you know, with COVID, you're not allowed to go into the locker room and go to any player you want anymore and kind of strike up a conversation. We have the podium now. So certain, only two or three players will come in and answer questions. So there's not as much access, I would say, um, as there was pre-COVID. But I mean, regardless, it's still an amazing opportunity. And I really, the part that I love the most, because I think we can all agree, I mean, if you watch hockey long enough, you know, hockey players have their cliche hockey answers. Like every, you know, when I worked in law, you had your cliche, like legal answers. So I get it. Um, but for me, it's more interesting to kind of explain, you know, how the player was acting and how they were feeling and the emotion in the room when the player came in to really talk. Because I feel like being credentialed, it really humanizes the players a lot. And I think that's something that fans really miss. And they kind of just see them in a uniform and a helmet. And they kind of forget the fact that these are real human beings that might be having family, you know, health issues or something else that is affecting their game. And I think fans are so quick to judge if someone has a bad game. And everyone has a bad day at work, you know. It's, it's not just hockey players. And, but for some reason, when you look at an athlete, it's like it's unacceptable for them to have that, that bad shift or that bad game. So I like to humanize the players a little bit more now that I can – see them off the ice as well. Right. And um, just overall, the, the Devils have had their issues off the rank. And it's kind of led to this point, which is the trade deadline is yes. fast approaching. And I recently had Matthew Zader. He's also a writer for the Hockey Writers. Great. And basically because we were having a silly season discussion, that's mm -hmm. why I like to call my show, which is basically throw out a few trade scenarios mm -hmm. as if maybe could this potentially happen. Uh, we were just basically going off one another, just saying like, okay, <laughs> hey, I want uh, Connor Garland, I want Brock Besser, or, yeah. you know, I know it's a long shot, but, you know, what what are the options for Quinn Hughes or Demko? Mm -hmm. And you know, obviously he said that it wasn't going to happen for, um, if it wasn't going to happen for either one of those players, but Connor Garland, Brock Besser, uh, you know, oh. we, we basically just fed off one another just because the Devils are linked to a couple players in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, you know, they didn't really have a good showing uh, in Vancouver, <laughs> so... Hopefully that doesn't, uh, you know, ring any alarms in the in the front office for Vancouver, but we'll see. Um, so I want to get I want to get your opinion on uh, some players that could potentially be on the move. Obviously, Tom Fitzgerald has informed PK Subban that they don't expect to expand his uh, expand his 
excuse me, I'm, I'm stuttering over my words. Uh, they don't expect to extend his uh, contract come the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I personally feel as though there's not really going to be a team that's like picking up the phone for P.K. Subban unless the Devils are willing to like retain half of his salary, which is what's probably going to happen to sweeten the deal. And then, um, you know, we got Pavel Zaka, we got Andreas Janssen. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we can get something for Jimmy VC. You know, they've been linked to a couple of uh, trade rumors. What are your opinions so far as to what potential players could be on the move for the New Jersey Devils? Oh, my goodness. So I, <laughs> I am the worst at predicting trades, and I'm so bad at judging what the return is. So I try to tend to, I tend to stay away from those, especially in my articles. And honestly, I feel like I've been stu- stuttering this entire thing as well. So I apologize, too. Um, but I look at teams that potentially on the ice Devils players could fit into. Um, and I would say for Jimmy BC, I think the LA Kings are kind of an interesting uh, choice for him on basically just the fact, uh, the fact that their PK is ranked 28th in the league, which is the worst among playoff teams at the moment. And we all know that special teams are extremely important. And I think Jimmy BC, the one strength that he's really had this season and consistency that he's had is on the penalty kill. I don't know what a return would look like. I mean, he's on a one-year deal. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end. So I wouldn't expect much in return for him. But I think, you know, it would give him an opportunity to take his career to the next level because he really did come here as a a desperate for an NHL contract. Subban's intriguing because I, he's really, he's really tough to try and nail down because I do know that, you know, Fitzgerald said he's not getting a lot of calls on him, but we also know that how crucial and important depth defensemen are. And I think in the right situation as that depth piece, Subban could do very, very well. I just don't know what team that would work for. What What do you think about it? For PK Subban, the thing is, yeah. is like, you know, he's a, how would I say it? He's a marketing machine. Like mm-hmm. the thing I say about uh, Devils fans is that the one thing you could say about PK Subban is that you got to respect his, professionalism you got to respect uh how he goes about things i think he's a good player to have in the locker room and the thing i've said on my show is that he's gotten better uh these past three seasons for the devils like this season is better than last season last Mm -hmm. season was better than his first season with new jersey and the thing is it's a far cry from what he was able to do uh during his days with the montreal canadians or the national predators but at the same time you you rather see improvement than him digressing you know that kind of thing so for P.K. Subban, it's interesting, but the problem is, is his contract because, yes. you know, the, the whole reason we got Ryan Graves in the first place was that because that was supposed to be the first domino piece for us to uh, expose P.K. Subban in the draft. Mm-hmm. Because had we not um, made that deal or any deal in general before the expansion draft and we exposed P.K. Subban and hypothetically see how crack and take him, then we're a few million dollars away from the cap floor, not the cap ceiling, the cap floor. Yeah. So we, we were just like, OK, we need to make a move or two before you know, we, we exposed P.K. Subban in the draft. And unfortunately, Seattle Kraken, they, they weren't willing to take his big contract just like they were uh, willing to take on any big contracts, it, it seems yeah. like. So, um, big, big. yeah, they, they fumbled the bag hard on their expansion, <laughs> which is and they're paying the price for it because I'm just saying like yeah. Tarasenko, Subban, quick, you know, I'm just like, hey, I know you, you or, you know, pricey. I know price um, is dealing yeah. with some personal matters, but still, it's just like. That's a that's a pretty decent team, if you ask me. Like, albeit they are expensive, but you know, yeah. that's a that's a Giordano as well. And you know, you got Giordano over there, <laughs> or or Eberle. I'm just like that that that's a that's a pretty legitimate team. Like, it's not a team that yeah. you know strikes fear in me, but that's a team that I would watch every night. But yeah. uh, going back to PK Subban, it's just like 
we've been trying to get rid of him, but we can't because of his contracts, because no one's willing to take on that big contract. But this is the final year of his contract. And maybe if the Devils are like, okay, we'll bite the bullet, we'll uh, pay for half of his contract. And then, you know, we'll see, like, maybe if a contending team wants him. I know my colleagues at Pucks and Pitchforks said that, you know, basically terminating his contract would be a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Because we, we already had to deal with that uh, last year because um, whose contract did we have to terminate? I think it was um, I think it was uh, Sammy Votnin's contract because nobody I, I don't think anybody wanted him. So well, he's overseas right now. I believe he's I think he's, yeah, overseas. he's overseas. But yeah. last year, last year, like last yeah. uh, we couldn't get anything for him. So I think we had to ultimately just terminate his contract. And uh, the one thing they said was that this is like that's not a good example because, you know, mm-hmm. if, if because players could just think, okay, I'll sign a one-year deal with the Devils, won't do well, but at the same time, I could pad my stats and they'll terminate my contract and I could go to a contending team So for, for a minimum. So it's just like, uh, that's not a good look to have. So I, I don't think terminating P.K. Subban's contract is the best answer. My my opinion on P.K. Subban, I've said this on my show before, I think he's going to be a, a New Jersey Devil, pass the trade deadline, and just come free agency, we're just not going to resign him. I think that's just, yeah. I think that's the most likely scenario because if you're if you're an opposing team, like, you know, it's just like, do I really want to take on PK Subban? Just, you know, kind of getting, you know, aging a little bit game kind of going on the other side. He's on the uh, other side of his better days. So it's just like, um, you know, but at the same time he brings that marketing. So, cause you know what he does off the rink, uh, his personality, his uh, fashion sense, um, you know, his charity. So he brings a lot off the ring, and obviously he's a good voice to have in the locker room. But ultimately, I just I just don't really see him being dealt away. I think it's just um, I think he's going to remain with the with the New Jersey Devils. But uh, I, I said just in case that might have been his last goal uh, against the um, against the Calgary Flames. So you know, just putting that out there. But uh, I think the player who's most likely to be moved, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Pavel Zaka. Because I've just been seeing Zaka just being linked to certain uh, trade yeah. packages, like you know Brock Besser, Connor mm-hmm. Garland. Obviously, it can't be a one-for-one kind of deal, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's just like maybe you add in a draft pick, maybe you add in a prospect not named Alexander Holtz or Dawson Mercer or or, or any of those players like that, or or Luke Hughes. Add any prospect yeah. not named Mercer, Hughes, or Holtz, and I think you know that's a pretty decent deal to do. But at the same time, it's just like I'm still hesitant to trade away some of our prospects because it's just like we're in a unique situation. We we have we're in no position to be blowing it up because Jack Hughes, Dougie Hamilton, Nico Heischer are signed to long-term deals. Jesper yeah. Brott, barring anything catastrophic happening, I anticipate for him to be signed to a two or three-year extension. So it's just like we're we're in no position to be uh selling, but mm-hmm. you know, we still have some decent pieces and yeah, you know, if if I had to put money on it, I would say maybe Pavel Zaka would most likely be on the move, and maybe just maybe if the Dells are able to get lucky, maybe PK Subban, but when I wouldn't anticipate it. So, you know, um, you know, the trade deadline will be on Monday. Do you expect the Devils to make any moves, or do you expect them to just completely change the roster? What are your thoughts on that? I think the roster is going to look very similar to what it is now. Um, I think it's going to be kind of like a Coleman deal if he does make a move where. It's somebody calls him and basically just gives him a package that he can't say no to. And the only player I would think maybe might warrant that is actually Damon Severson, because after we saw, you know, what Montreal got for their defenseman, it Severson to me is kind of a little intriguing now of what a team would give up for him. 
Um, so I don't know. Zaka to me, I feel like a lot of fans, I think, want him on the move. But I personally, they, I, I don't know. I kind of have a feeling he's going to be a devil by, by the end of the day on Monday. Yeah, I mean, Severson is also another interesting thing. because he's so intriguing. He yeah, because he signed for this year, next year. Mm -hmm. It's just like, if I'm Tom Fitzgerald, I would hold on to uh, Damon Severson, at least for this yeah. year. And then next year, you see what kind of happens. And then mm -hmm. you just go from there. But for right now, I'm not really willing to give up Severson quite yet. I talked to one of my colleagues who's the host of uh, Locked on Leafs because he was basically saying, hey, what's it going to take to get Damon Severson? I yeah. said, you know, it's just like we're kind of big on prospects. We're not really trying to tank. <laughs> we're going to get another good first-round draft pick again. Like, I think our draft pick is going to be somewhere anywhere from, like, 5 to 10. Yeah, because I think the thing with Severson is on the ice, he would actually be a great partner for Jake Muzzin. It's just, I personally think, I think Severson, my hot take, I guess, of the afternoon is that he's the best devil defenseman that we have. He makes a couple bonehead mistakes every once in a while. But if you watch what he does and all the little things he does, I would say hands down, when you look at him, he plays the most minutes. He goes up against the, like the, the toughest opponents. He is consistently our best defenseman. And that is my hot take for the afternoon. You want to know something funny? Um, I use the same adjective as you described, uh, David Severson, on my show plenty of times. I said he makes a lot of boneheaded mistakes. He does, I mean, listen, who doesn't? And it, but the thing with him specifically is that fans focus on those four or five questionable moves, but you don't see his puck play in the corner and all the little things that he does right kind of just go off the wayside a little bit. But when you see who he goes up against and what his underlying numbers are, Severson's a really good defenseman with a really good offensive upswing, which is why I'm intrigued because defensemen are so highly sought after in the trade deadline. What kind of package, if any, are going to be offered for him or any calls just to see what Fitzgerald would want for him? I feel like that would be kind of a Coleman situation. I don't think they should get rid of him, but I'm intrigued by him, I think, the most now. You're absolutely right, and I agree with you uh, 100%. But, you know, it's just like I would just be a little cautious about Damon Severson. I would be cautious about making a trade, period, because mm -hmm. I think the main priority for the front office is to possibly try to get a solid goalie. Yes. Because the one thing I said about Nico Dawes is that, you know, count his blessings, he's been doing pretty solid in net, but he's too much of a wild card. And I, and I was just like, you know, we, we cannot be relying on him game in and game out because he, uh, just yesterday he started, what, his ninth straight game? And I'm just ninth. like, and I'm just like, oh, look, I know we have no one else to really go to because I, I, I don't have trust in John Gillies. I, I don't have trust in Akira Schmidt. And it's just like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we just got to rely on Nico Dawes. So it's just like, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, but. It, we we need a we need a solid at least a solid backup or maybe if we get lucky a, a, a capable starter because Nico Dawes still young still improving he he makes a lot of mistakes and uh, I I have trust in him to be a decent for now situation but not enough trust for him to be the starting goalie night in yeah. and night out on that kind of level like I was getting mad at uh, Ruffer starting Mackenzie Blackwood for what six straight games and now here's here's uh, Dawes starting nine straight games. Well, it's funny because after the game yesterday, uh, Coach Ruff talked to the media and basically said that, you know, he's been asking a lot of Nico Dawes. It's not exactly fair that of the situation that he put him in. And I went and I tweeted out because I thought it was a really good quote because it was an honest quote, you know, like he, he, he might have overworked him. 
and fans just wanted to rake Coach Rock over the coals. And they're like, well, what are you thinking? You're ruining a young goaltender. But this is the situation that we're in. The three goalies that you just previously mentioned, none of them should be playing in the NHL right now. But this is the situation we're given. And the fans don't, like you, they don't really have a lot of faith in Gillies right now. And I've seen fans online get annoyed when Gillies got the start over Dawes. And it's just, you know, it's not an easy situation that we're in. I mean, these are competitive young athletes. They probably want to play every game. Like, this is, they're playing hockey for a living. Like, this is, like, the greatest thing for them. So it's, I can't imagine a young goaltender saying, like, no, like, leave me out. I want to just watch. They all want to get into the action. They all want to play. But it's just right now, it's unfortunate for everyone involved. But this is kind of where we're at right now. And I hope people might not like it. But I'm like, even Yuryev. Like, he's a young goaltender. It's just a matter of, at this point, are the Devils looking for Blackwood to remain the number one starter and just get a solid backup like they tried to get with Crawford and what they tried to get with Bernier? Or are we going to look for a young goaltender who's really going to challenge Blackwood and do a 1A, 1B situation? I'm, not, know, really big, I'm not a big fan of the 1A, 1B after seeing how it happened in Vegas with um, Fleury and Lehner, but you have to figure out what direction they want to go in at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to a couple of my audience uh, who, like, listen or watch my show, and, and they said, like, you know, Trey, is it possible that Nico Dawes could take the starting spot over Blackwood next season? I said, wouldn't go that far. Got to wait till the offseason, see what the Devils potentially do. Mm -hmm. But prior to these last two games, I did make a note that, you know, compared to where Bernier stopped in the season, compared to where Blackwood stopped in the season, Nico Dawes' numbers were actually better than both of those players. <laughs> Yeah. In terms of goals against average, save percentage, record. So I was just like, well, was a record? I'll have to double check on that. But still, you know, goals against average, save percentage, and, you know, basically those big stats for a goalie. And I just said, you know, it is possible that Nico does is making a run for their money. But at the same time, it's just like someone's got to make the stops. And, you know, yeah. I, I still remember what Nico Dawes did against Calgary um, uh, early on in the season. Not this, this last game, but, you know, October. the first time. Yeah, the first time we played Calgary because he gave up, what, like four goals in the first period kind of thing? But I think it was four goals or three goals on seven shots. Yeah, so so it's just like, um, you know, albeit Calgary is a cup-contending team and and they all, and we really have no shot of, of winning against them, but somehow we're able to beat the Colorado Avalanche. So the, the Devils, in my opinion, uh, uh, Christy, is just like, they are an interesting team because yeah. – couple of weeks ago, they were one of the hot op hottest offensive teams in the NHL. No, no question about it. And no one was really talking about it because, you know, they're in the bottom of the Metropolitan Division. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, you know, look what Jack Hughes is doing. Look what Jesper Brad is doing. And going back to what you said about Damon Severson, I, I got to challenge you on that one just a little bit. Because on the defensive side of things, we got Dougie Hamilton. We got Ryan Graves. We got Jonas Siegenthaler. But I think you're the first person I've heard uh, say that Damon Severson is possibly our best defenseman uh on the um uh you know in, in terms of just uh being on the blue line so it's just like my question to you is like why Damon Severson again I I look at Hamilton and Graves and I think my biggest concern with both of them is their speed and I think we've seen it multiple times especially on the power play when they give up a shorthanded goal if either especially I guess Hamilton because Graves isn't playing the power play if a forward gets momentum and gets past them, they're gone. They're not, they're not catching up to them at all. And I think just with Severson, it's just his overall game. And he usually has more, he plays more minutes than Hamilton and Graves. And I feel like he, you know, we've seen rough after Graves, uh, 
Yeah, I guess Crane's probably the most enticement that if they give up a bad, um, like they're on the ice for a bad goal, he'll bench them. I mean, there was, I think it was, was it against Vancouver? Graves had very low minutes because he just didn't play a couple shifts after, you know, that goal went in. And I just, there's something about Severson and I can't, it's kind of like Dawson Mercer where he's not the flashiest guy, but you really have to pay attention to his individual game. And you'll see just he, his stick is usually in the right position. And like I said, he makes bonehead decisions. He does. You can't deny that, but you have to really look at what he does. And he, he does, he plays a solid game. He, he just does. And it's something that you kind of just have to watch. But when you pay attention, because I think this is one of the things too. I think when you watch as a fan, you're watching the overall picture. And a lot of times, like I know what I'm writing, what my article is going to be like. So sometimes I'll watch for stretches or for like a period, an individual player. And Severson's one that I watch. And he really is. He's consistently one of our better and best defensemen. Well, you know, I, I, definitely... I don't think I even really made a point there, but... <laughs> Well, I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not. I just rambled right. about. I don't know, like for three minutes. Steverson is a great player. I'm not saying you're wrong in that instance. Uh, I'm just curious because, you know, I've been hearing Jonas Siegenthaler is our most consistent defenseman. Dougie Hamilton, he could he be doing better? Yes, but yeah. that facial, um, you know, fracture kind of sent him back a little bit. He was he missed like yeah. almost two months, and yeah. then for Ryan Graves, I say silent but deadly. Like. Yeah not someone who's going to, you know, go nuts in the score sheet, but you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize that Ryan Graves led the league in plus minus a few years ago. He yeah. also led the league in defensive shares that, that same season. No one right. really talks about it because you know, Ryan Graves, he's not going to like uh, rack up the numbers. One thing I do say about Damon Severson, despite him making a few boneheaded mistakes, he is big on the offensive side of things. So he has can, a big upswing. Yeah, he does have a big upswing, but um, Christy, uh, I, I, I thank you for taking the time and, uh, for this wrap up question, what is the future like for the devils past the trade deadline? Like what, what can we expect from them moving forward? The devils are on the right track. I keep saying this, the devils are on the right track. They have a lot of young talent. This is, they're, they're so young. These are such young kids. And by 2023, maybe 2024, this is going to be a contending team. So just a little bit more patience. I know fans have think, you know, they thought that we were in a rebuild since 2013, but just have a little bit more patience and the team is on the right track. Their development is okay. We're doing fine. We just need a couple more pieces. And depending on what Blackwood is like, once he is fully healed, we have to address obviously the goaltending situation, number one. I agree with you. And I just say, you know, I think we have so much potential. I hope Jesper Brat is able to repeat what he's doing this season. Mm -hmm. uh, and for next year, because I didn't anticipate him for to take this major leap. Sharon Govich, uh, despite getting off to a really slow start, is picking yeah. it up. And credit that to Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes will be the first devil to reach triple-digit points next season. I can bank on that. Because there's been no devil, not even Patrick Elias, has reached triple digits mm -hmm. uh, in terms of points for the Devils organization. I believe Elias was four or three points away from it. But yeah. uh, no devil... Devils forward in history has ever ever reached a hundred points. So I anticipate Jack Hughes to do that next season. Dougie Hamilton, he'll be right back in the Norris Trophy hunt next season or the season after. A lot of upside, a lot of potential. Ryan Graves was a great uh, addition, despite it being a a chess move just to expose PK Subban. And I believe this trade deadline is going to be very silent for the Devils. But you know what? Sometimes a boring day is a good day. <laughs> you can't can't go wrong with that. So, Christy, where can my audience find you? 
Oh, so on Twitter, I am at Instilettos underscore NHL. And on Instagram, I am at Inskating Instilettos. So you can find me both of those places. That's that's where I hang out. Awesome. Also, check out uh, her articles for the Hockey Writers. Once again, Chrissy, thank you for taking the time. We talked all things devil, talked about the trade deadline, team structure, and basically what the future is like moving forward. So thank you once again. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, thanks to uh, my former colleague at the Hockey Writers, Christy Flannery, for taking the time to do this open hockey discussion involving the New Jersey Devils organization. You guys have heard her opinions. Check out some of her work at the Hockey Writers. She puts out great articles. She's also a credentialed member once again, so she's able to get a lot of insight towards the team and the organization. So you've heard her thoughts in today's episode. So we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. Love doing these types of discussions because you're able to get various amount of opinions from uh, different Devils personalities. But uh, we'll see what happens. As for today's episode, that's all time I have for you guys. So thanks for listening. Continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. Hopefully you guys had a good St. Patty's Day. Uh, once again, repping my green. Uh, I'm Irish for today, baby. So uh, I'll, I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.